Welcome to Surviving Society and Red Pepper's podcast collaboration, Beyond the Strikes. In these episodes, we speak to workers across the NHS, schools, railways and Royal Mail. This series places industrial action into wider debates about public ownership, working conditions, the economy, neoliberalism and, of course, capitalism. Are you interested in some further reading on social movements and left politics? You should be if you're listening to Surviving Society. Red Pepper is a quarterly magazine and website of politics and culture. It is a space for debate on the left and a home for open-minded socialists. Red Pepper is reader-funded with a sliding scale subscription model, ensuring its content is available to all. Find a link to Red Pepper magazine in the episode notes. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Society. We are still in our series Beyond the Strikes with Red Pepper, co-hosted by Liam and also co-produced with Red Pepper magazine. Me and Liam are really excited today to be in the studio with Sherelle Cadogan and Mel Mullins. There's so many different acronyms and descriptions around the, the work that you both do. So first and foremost, I'm just going to read out your bios and then we're going to get into the detail. Firstly, Sherelle has worked for London Underground for 22 years and is an instructor operator, which means you're a train driver. Yeah, and I train people to drive the train. And you are an ASLEF local industrial rep for LU and TFL. Yeah. Yeah. You are also the ASLEF National Chair of Black, Asian and Ethnic Minority Members. Yeah. And you are the TFL Diversity... What was the other I sit on the EDI Forum. You, yeah. s- you sit on the EDI Forum for TFL as well. Yeah. Wow. And just before we, go, before we break down all the acronyms, first and foremost, TFL is Transport for London. So we have yeah. a global, global audience, this podcast. Fantastic. Mel Mullins has worked for London Underground for 22 years as well. Yes. Okay. She is a train driver on London Underground. She is a staunch anti-racist and black women's rights campaigner. She sits on the TFL Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Forum. She is an RMT union member for 22 years in various local and national positions. You are also, Mel, RMT Industrial Relations Rep at your home depot of Elephant and Castle on the Bakerloo line. You are also the RMT Bakerloo Branch Secretary. You are the Secretary for RMT Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic Advisory Committee. Yeah, we use BME. You are the Secretary (laughs) for the RMT London Transport Regional Council's Black Solidarity Committee. You are part of the Trade Union Congress's Race Relations Committee. You're a Troydon Trade Union Council member, that's part of the RMT, and you are co-chair of the Global African Congress, and to top it all off, you are co-founder of BLM Croydon. Yes. Can we have some bashment horn? (laughs) (laughs) Some serious, serious, it's royalty in the room. Like, thank you so much for joining us today. Um... Liam has like been incredible in terms of curating this series and just bringing amazing people like yourselves into the surviving society community to help our listeners better understand how integral unionism 
is to society and our work processes in general and I guess to bridge those two things one of the things we've done on this series and what we do on the podcast is talk a lot about our personal relationships to our work or the personal relationships we have to the research that we're doing if it's an academic so in the case of this episode like as people that have worked in transport right for such a long time it would be great to find out how like how this came about and how you managed to become so yeah passionate and involved in workers rights within within your sector if i say it's by accident is that okay yeah, of course good <laughs> my passion for just workers rights mm. and my um i'd say my interest in politics started from a child my mm. dad was a local went for local labor councillor so I grew up going to all the local council meetings he also done 38 years on the buses so he was a London transport worker and so I think it was in my blood without it being in my blood so I grew up watching the strikes the minor strikes on tv I'm I'm sharing my age here people (laughs) but um and um going on um, anti-apartheid marches with my father. Um, he was, you know, he would talk about how proud he was of Bill Morris, you know, being in the TUC. So I grew up with that. And then um, it was um, a family member, my brother, who was on the job. And I actually worked for the airlines previously. 9-11 happened. And then my brother said, just come on the underground just yeah. as a you know, stopgap. And here I am. (laughs) All these years later. later. And um, within a year, I became a train operator. And um, it was fine. I mean, I I went in and out, as you do. Back then, I was um, on a line where there was approximately maybe 700 people, maybe under 15 women out of 700. Mm. And two black women drivers and so and and I'm I'm South London you could probably hear by my twang so I'm South London and I was going up to North London and you know it's a different world up here (laughs) it was a different world so I went there this is 22 years ago right and I walk into what we call is like a mess room and it they, they were people that lived in um you know, the north of England, you know, yeah. Peterborough. I've yeah. called it the north of England. That's the middle of the yeah. You know, anything I, north yeah. of the Thames, we're like all up north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise to everybody. <laughs> so London-centric, it's terrible. But anyway, um, and so uh, meeting someone like me, you know, I was very... Um, what can I say? Fresh. South. Bashment Queen. I was yeah. in, I had the wigs, I had the nails, I had, I was happy. I was living yeah. my best life. And um, and so it was interesting to have conversations with people in and amongst our working day, mm. which was about difference. And, and, and because you can't help it when you have that downtime, you can't help but just talking about current affairs, talking about where you're from. And there were um, two incidents, really. I remember um, an, an older guy said to me, oh, yeah, you know, those coloured people. Mm. And I was like, no, black. And he said, Do you, and he was an older gentleman, um, and he said to me, you know, when I was little, when, and obviously he's he talking about Windrush and people coming over, he said, when I would see a black person, 
when I went to call him black, my mum gave me a clip round the ear and said, no, that's not polite, and told me to say coloured as a polite way. So what I'm trying to say is that was a discussion where at yeah. first I was like offended, mm. but it was a dialogue that was important to have where I corrected him yeah. and then he explained where he had yeah. grown up with that, yeah. which I, I didn't know. I just thought they would, you know, if I heard someone saying, Kyle, I thought you'd been a bit off. Whereas for him, it was literally just he was told that that was a polite thing to say and he had grown up with that. And then I transferred to my home depot and um, I wear an overcoat over my uniform and I went in there, it's about 4.45 really early. A.M.? A.M. we Come start. On. Yeah, man, because you guys need to get places, right? I hear. <laughs> Everyone needs to get everywhere at like yeah, 5 a.m. all yeah. of a sudden. Exactly. Um, but, <laughs> um, and I walked in and I went to, we have to sign in for our mm. shift. And the manager behind had this great bunch of keys and threw them on the desk to me. And I'm thinking, what is this, some different kind of train we've got? I'm like, okay, you know, and it's early, so I'm not good in the mornings. And I just picked up the... Well, anyway, the other manager ran round, who had sort of known me, and came and was like, Sherelle, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm going to take this key. What the other manager had, had done is thrown me the cleanest keys. Because the only, the only black women that they really came into contact with were cleaners. Fine. And so it was like, no... I'm a drive. So that was a bit of an incident. So those were two early incidents yeah, when I yeah, first started, yeah. like over 20 years ago. And then fast forward a while, we had this um, really good um, initiative where they were um, putting out adverts for train drivers, but targeted. So you'd have them in Cosmopolitan and stuff like that. And so we had an influx of women and you just like diverse. Like it was nice. This was maybe about 13, 15 years ago. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, so when that happened, it, it was good because mm. we, we got to see more of ourselves as we were driving up and down. And then I also started, I became an instructor operator and I started to train people that knew my son, my eldest son. They'd be like, oh, we went to school with him or blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I was like, it made me think about the environment I work in a little bit more. Would I want my children to work, come into a workplace mm. where we have issues, let's just say, and prejudices and people make comments and what we call banter mm. and stuff. But bearing in mind, when I first started, it was like, um, I don't know, this is really going to age me. I don't That's even okay. know what, some mothers do have them. And you know, like the 70s uh, sitcoms that they used to have? Mm -hmm. It was like going back into the 70s, yeah. some of them train accommodations that we would go in. The, uh, yeah, it was just wild. Um I remember doing nights and walking in and there'd just be like porn on the telly. And you'd just sit there and just be like, let me just eat my lunch, oh my right? Because <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> let me just eat, let me just, what do I, hi. <laughs> and they just, they go, you're right. I go, yeah. Just eat my lunch and then just, and that, that but that's what it yeah. was, you know what I mean? And um, And so that's where I started to, really get involved with my union, really get involved in the culture of my working surroundings. Yeah. Sherelle, what's so beautiful about your description of how you came to both work in transport but also become organised is 
the relationships and people involved within it. Mm. So it happened in whilst at work. And what we call in, in sociology is like social reproduction in that you come to you come you come to face race and class mm. in relation at work. So yeah. those two incidences that you describe, it's yeah. like that's how things get reproduced yeah. and happen over time. And it's so I say it's beautiful because it's life. It like is. and and I think you articulated it, yeah, just in a very like roundabout but yeah, beautiful way. Yeah. So thank you. No problem. I mean, um I we're we're from South London, Croydon. Mm. And so I remember when the Croydon riots happened mm. and I went into the train crew accommodations, so we call them our mess rooms. And I sat down and bearing in mind, I, I don't know, I'm really bad with time, but when was that? So I'd been, I'd been there a long time, 2011. Right? 2011. So I'd been yeah. there a August, long time. Yeah. People had worked with me and my yeah. children. Yeah. I have two sons. And, I, and a guy came up to me, sat down, and he was my friend. We'd have lunch together and stuff like that. He was a colleague, but we were friendly together. We spoke. Yeah. He knew my family. My sons would come after football and I'd take to my workplace and then I'd drop them home. So people had interacted mm-hmm. with my children. And he sat down and he said, Sure, it's terrible what's going on, isn't it? I said, yeah. He said, oh, these black boys, they're just so violent. And I... (laughs) (laughs) And I looked, and I was like, this gentleman has friends at work and colleagues, black men that have black sons, we have black, we have families, and we speak about them. This one got married, this one got into school, blah, 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 that's what you do. And, um, and, and, you know, so he was, it was an inclusive working environment in that he would know about our lives, right? And he would know black men and boys. This is, wasn't someone that he's only seeing them on the TV. And I looked at him and I said, you do realise I have black boys. I have black sons. And he was like, yeah, 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 but, you know, just in general. Mm. And in my head, I wanted to, you know, go back to my dad, who was like a pan-Africanist, and say, oh, let me tell you about, yeah. let me tell you about white violence. <laughs> but my meal break wasn't long enough. <laughs> but yeah. So I had to hold tight on that. But in, in regards to what you're saying, it, it really interested me yep. how people can still be immersed with people, yep. connected yep. with people, but still hold yeah, these very yeah. staunch views about us. It wasn't someone that came mm. from a place where he hadn't interacted with black people. And I had to say to him, my children aren't inherently violent. Mm. You know my children. Mm. And it was just that kind of, I think, the That's penny the kind of yeah, dropped yeah, in regards yeah. to his generalisation. But those are the kind of conversations that mm. we had <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome mel how how, how are we here uh, how did you get here i'm gonna start exactly the same way sherelle did yes. by accident <laughs> <laughs> um i was born in england and then for a time because of um a lot of racism mm. in schools institutional racism my mum decided you know what we're going back to jamaica mm. and you're gonna go to school there um, I was being held back on purpose wow. and yeah it was ter- it was a terrible time for me um, when I went to Jamaica I thrived um, it that forms my politics there I wanted to be a politician 
mm. believe it or not, from being in Jamaica and schooling in Jamaica. Um, I was part of debating teams. Um, I did a lot of sports. I had a very rounded education um, in Jamaica. I really thank my mum for it. At the time, I wasn't happy I was leaving, but then I came back here um, and I struggled. You came back? I came back here when I was 18 mm. and I kind of struggled in the beginning. Um, I was homeless. I picked myself up, went to college, to, saw myself through college, had two jobs, and I went to Tooting Broadway Station in South London and I saw this advert. And it says, we want women and people from ethnic backgrounds to join London Underground. And I said, okay then, let's apply. <laughs> 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 you know they're gonna stop them adverts now. Yeah. 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 They're gonna be like, nah, 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 nah. Is this how we got Shirelle Mel? And that's that's truly what happened. I applied, went through the process, and you was gonna get the job. And I've been here ever since. Um, I'd managed to go part time. I started on the stations, managed to go part time and start university. And I thought to myself, there's no point in finishing university. There's a lot of projection and prosperity in staying on the underground and trying to move up. Yeah. In the, you know, it's, it, it seemed like a job for life mm. when I started. Yeah. Um, my grandparents um, were unionized when mm. they came here in the 60s. So my grandma was a cleaner for National Rail. Mm. So like Sherelle, I had a background where I was brought around the trains. Yeah. I was brought around a lot of working class West Indian people. Organized. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So... I understood that you being an, in a collective is, you know, really an advantage. So being in the union was, I, I didn't even have to flinch. I got joined in the RMT straight away. Um, I will tell you, it's the same, the stories that, that Sherelle will tell are the same stories that I will tell. The so-called banter, the so-called misogyny, the sexism, the racism within the workplace was rife and I was always getting myself in the thick of it because I was always talking up about it. Um, I always attended my branch meetings. Um, so in the union, you have a monthly meeting. So you come together and talk about what's going on in the union, you update each other, etc., etc. And there would always be a case. I'm um, sorry. So a case where a member of staff is going up for disciplinary, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff, all kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of stuff. I will say, I will say that because it is, it, there was so, there was so much stuff and the outcomes were always different when it was a black person. Mm -hmm. So I will say that. Um, and for me, people always asking me, oh, become the rep, become the rep. I, like, I don't want to be the rep. Um, I've had, all three of my children were, were on the underground. And I can tell you, my reps have been instrumental in helping making sure that I had risk assessments. I was able to not have to do things that I felt would be unsafe. Yeah. I was able to make sure that um, I didn't lose my position um, when I was trying to go for um, promotions because I was pregnant, stuff like that. Mm. Even back then, mm. we're having the same issues now. Wow. Right? So and my oldest son is 19. He'll be 20 next, yeah, next month. Mm -hmm. So the union to me is, is very important, right? As much as there are also structural issues within the union as well, 
it's been very important to me. It's been very integral in saving a lot of jobs. Um, that, and, and, I, and I know because I've been in situations yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. So um, when it came to going for positions and stuff, they had to literally drag me kicking and screaming. I've got the ability, I've, I've had the political background, yeah. you know. Should, we, should I tell them? But, tell them. Well, I used to be a member of the Labour Party. Okay, yeah. 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 And I used to hold local position as well. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say anything more about it because okay. I'm not promoting the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say. Sorry. No other way. I am, no not, way. I am no longer no a way. member. No or way. we are no longer yeah. members of the Labour Party. That's nice, time. Same. All right, so. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Liam. Sorry. I'm not Labour, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the Greens, bro. You've got your own, you got your own got issues. Yeah. <laughs> but I can say that I have been actively blocked from promotions oh. because of I'm a black woman. Actively blocked. Um, I did. I did have a tribunal case. We can talk about that another time. And I. I won that. Come um, on, uh, <laughs> Ashman Holmes, please, George. <laughs> so I've been through it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Even Cheryl has to have pep talks with me. She had a pep talk with me yesterday because it's such a struggle, mm. right? I know we make it look cute, yeah? Mm. And I do say that, <laughs> <We> do. yeah? <laughs> and and I say that to say how well we we wear the struggle, yeah, right? And I don't mean that people should go around wearing struggle, right? What I'm saying is at least we're trying to do something about it. Exactly, yeah. And that's what has been most important to me. So where my union stuff is limited in certain respects, I also have my Black Lives Matter organisation that I'm associated with that, you know, we campaign for social issues because the thing is the thing about it, everything intersects. Of course. So when we leave our workplaces, we go back into our communities. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like Sherelle, when I hear people talk about um, things that have to do with race because people they have this dismissive view why does it have to be about race it doesn't have to be it just is Mm -hmm. so then let's deal with that part of it that is race and move it right along Mm. it doesn't have to be a a tug or a struggle Mm. right We, we we talk about things we grow we educate ourselves and that's how that conversation that you had with the guy about colored i've been called colored by a manager um, and that wasn't too long ago, a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, and it took that manager six months to apologise to me because I just shut down and stopped talking to him. Mm. And things like writing articles about gaslighting and having them taken down mm. because, you know that saying, I hit dog will holler? Yeah. But they felt it was, I was talking about them and I thought, like that's really um, entitled. You're mm. thinking I'm talking about you, but now that you've said it, it applies. Exactly. And it's these things that I'll write it anyway. Yeah. I wasn't going to not write it. And also including other women in that. And the problem with working in workspaces in, and especially with transport it is male dominated. Yeah. Fair. Right? 
And to get a culture change, even when you've got women like us within the within the place who we will give some grace, we will give you that extra, just like you said about your meal break not being long enough, we don't get paid for our meal break. Mm. Mm. That is unpaid time. And we'll take the time and have those conversations. But it's so many conversations. And because of the fact that there's such a culture of misogyny, even when you take the time and have that conversation the privilege is then to walk out and just not take it in yeah that's that's where structures should be helping to recreate what we're doing yeah. on the ground right managers should be because policies are not bad no the policies are not bad it is the implementation of it through the human element of it right i've got my prejudice so i'm going to walk in with it and walk out with it mm. instead of Listening to people, understanding what their struggles are, understanding that actually to make the world a better place, you take that on board, you understand why, what the root cause is, and then move it forward from there. It's difficult because, like I said, the privilege is there to just not take that into account. And then when you struggle against it, it's a long process, a long process. I I can tell you now and I'll chop it, that if there is... A, we, and um, no, Let me speak for myself. <laughs> I was going to say, we, let me just... What were you going to put me myself, in? Right? Being accused of something because you've raised something, mm. right? Whether that is um, racism, which everybody can agree and everybody knows black people can't be racist, right? Racism is prejudice plus power. We do not have that Thank power, mm. right? So... If you want to accuse me of prejudice, that's different. It's it's the because I've told you that you've done something racist. I've not called you a racist, and you, and you have to be so specific about how you Mel, say we it. We need to get Mel. We need to get Mel <laughs> in these yeah. institutions. Like, what a brilliant <laughs> yeah. description of what racism actually is. People, because it it's very very clear, and that's but they take it so personal. They take it personal, mm. and and I mean sometimes it is personal. Yeah. Sometimes it 100%. is what it is. It is what it but, is. But I mean, if you were uh, that that energy where they're so offended to be called yeah, yeah, racist, yeah. which worse than actually what they've said. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And maybe look at the actions and the behaviour yeah, that made me want to say that. Mm. But they know they're just stuck in their privilege and and right. and their supremacy. Yeah. So the last thing is the the positions that I've taken. Right. And I really want to stress on this. It is difficult for black women to take up positions because we don't see other black women's in women in the positions. Number mm-hmm. one. Um, and also it is a, it is a totally different experience from white and black men in unions to women and then especially black women mm-hmm. in unions. Yeah. Right. Because we're not even just doing the groundwork within our union. We also have to challenge in our workplaces. It, those are difficult situations. That's what situations. I was thinking as you were speaking. Like we can get into it in terms of unionism, but you're already like be, you're constantly on the front line as black women in these spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we have a strike day, we have to call up the transport police, make sure that they know that we're do you know we're adhering to their rules, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. I, I'm really proud when people come on the picket lines and they're not swearing at us nowadays. Yeah, yeah? Mm. just moving moving it along. That I've been abused so many times on a picket line over the years. Mm. 
to know to have the last couple of years so much solidarity mm. has been really encouraging yeah it's been an absolute so i am always you know going to other picket lines i've been on as their picket lines yeah. as well local picket because. lines mm -hmm. and that solidarity people actually understanding that race and class intersect mm -hmm. so even though our struggles will go a step further we have a common ground yep. that Definitely. we can start from as workers. So, yeah, I'm proud to be in a union. I'm proud of the fact that um, the union movement itself is, you know, gathering the kind of momentum it should because so many workers are being, to me, underserved by the political climate that's going on at the moment. I'll say it like that and I'll mm. leave it right there. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Carl. Some of the best introductions think of ever had on <laughs> yeah, that, that was top draw. Yeah. I mean, what you guys were saying is basically the reason that we wanted to do this series in that behind the headlines of the strikes, like TM, there are like struggles that you don't see represented yep. in the media. And it's always like the general secretaries who are out and about and they become the face of that strike. So, I mean, this wave of action has been kind of Mick Lynch as the poster boy and they, yeah. you kind of become like synonymous with the strike. And you don't really know much beyond what's going on, beyond mm. what he's saying on Sky News. And I think he does a decent job, to be fair to him. But like, there's much more beyond the general secretaries in the unions, which is why on this series we've had workers and not kind of union officials in here. It would be good to just break down for the listeners what are the current what what is the current strike action over for round transport workers. Could right. you break it down? I know it's complicated, but could yeah. you break that down for us? I mean, specifically, so for London Underground, where I work, um, we, basically, they're attacking our pensions. Mm -hmm. They want to attack our terms and conditions. Yeah. And I say attack because it is. Fundamentally, there's no reason, really, um, economy-wise, financially, why you would want to look at our pensions other than that political view that why are you people going to be comfortable when you yeah. retire? Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that that is where it's coming from because there's no reason economy, um, ec economic-wise, why they would be looking at our pensions. They perform well, right? Um, so our terms and conditions... Yeah and our attendance at work procedure. That's right, yeah. And I, I just think it's that mindset of them wanting to... It's a climate of where they don't like the working classes. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. And so we want to get more from you for less. Absolutely. That's what we want. And um, so that's what they've been doing in regards to London Underground. I mean, we have... Obviously, we've got this pay... Yeah, this this pay this pay review at the moment, um, which we go in and and we um, negotiate for our um, uh, remuneration of the work that we do, the valuable work that we do, um, carrying people around London, and th I don't, they don't want to. We've had like transport ministers grant shaps, and and, mm. and now we've got this latest one, and you know they just they <laughs> they're not for us. Um, we also have, I think as well, we're on the background. We're, we're actually, because of this kind of Labour mayor versus a Tory government, you're 
we are getting penalised for that. Proxy. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Transport of London. So there was a um, there was a bailout awarded in regards to during the pandemic. So off of the pandemic, obviously, and the the, the terms and conditions around that has kind of kept us in a bind. Yeah. And um, they've used it to kind of put the screws in in regards Sorry, to saying you, you have to. That? So from the pandemic, so there was a... From, mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic, obviously, we had to operate to take the nurses and everyone. So we were still operating as London Underground. And we don't have the fears coming in and stuff like that. So there was a, we're losing money, mm-hmm. right? And we needed money in order to keep operating. And the government secured this bailout. But with that came strings attached. Mm -hmm. And those strings were, hmm, you've got to change those pensions and you've got to do that and you've got to do this and that. It's not the work. It's not the workers' fault. There's a pandemic. So why? why no, but are the workers being penalised for? I mean, literally, this is what this government has done to everybody, waiting, haven't they? Whether it's for an the, opportunity. Yeah. Our our terms and conditions have been mm. under attack for years and years and years. Yeah. And this was simply the perfect mm. opportunity to take this forward. Our the the um ridership had gone down a certain percentage mm-hmm. um is ridership the peak the amount of people so the percentage using of people the... I love that using... word. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah so it had gone down to about 30 percent um at the the peak of the the pandemic and it was going up incrementally you know but at the same time what they were saying is that they couldn't sustain it because you had um, some uh, members of staff on furlough. You had, uh, you know, just to run the underground. Um, yeah, they were losing money. They were losing money, and what the the what the problem is is that just like you said, that securing that um, financial package, mm. which is, you know, up till now I don't understand why London Underground because it's a monopoly. There is mm. nothing else that can replace it. So what is the issue with funding it? Because it does make money. Exactly. Yeah? It's ridership, a profitable... Because the ridership... The ridership. Because no, the ridership doesn't consist of Tory voters. Exactly. Well, there you go. Even the record saying that, isn't he? Like, don't care about Londoners. They because, don't. Because we don't vote for... Because, right. right. And the, the, the issue that we, we have is the fact that the mayor... He comes from a transport background. Mm. Yeah. Yes. He's, he talks oh, about yeah. his dad being a bus, bus driver. driver. Mm. Yeah. And... Our transport system includes bus drivers, yeah? So as far as I'm concerned, he should know better. Yeah, let's just say it like that. He should know better. So securing a, the um, financial package, because that's the way it's done. I don't know why it's done like that, but that's the way it's done. He should be able to reel off all the reasons why, very simply and very easily. When a tax come to working class people's pensions the terms and conditions he should be the one that's there defending defending it straight away because of his background right and because he's a he's labor party who was voting for him we were yeah so when it came to um us negotiating i'm sure that a lot of us in the unions and in other industries didn't think it was going to be that difficult surely you understood the cost of living went up Mm. 
the climate that's going that is around at the moment it is difficult that they, you know you've got the statistics about there's two parent households where children are living in poverty right the working class contribute a portion of our money every month you know or where, however often we get paid um to the the national the national system mm. right so in turn they're doing these things to defund our own national services and then make us seem as if we're we're fighting against each other. Mm. So yeah. when I get um, a, a, a hospital appointment cancelled, you effing did it. I wouldn't do that, but I'm saying it's, they want us they to want blame us to blame you, right? So then, then when they go and privatize it, same with the tube, right? When when um, they're they're making us look like we're the greedy ones, yeah? They're getting the public to hate us. Then they go in and privatise it, which is, you know, rumours of what they're trying to do, right? They would be able to go ahead and do it because of the fact that mm. it's a PR storm, mm. right? But they didn't understand that actually workers were going to come together the way we have, right? The the turning point, as you mentioned, Lynch, was P&O, right? And I remember that so vividly, sitting and watching this two two and a half minute zoom meeting where this horrible person was sacking 800 members of staff like that what p and i sorry the cruise liner dp world right right? and those were rmt members right so immediately we had our protests immediately there was a public inquiry around it and and even you had um you had one of the Tory um, <laughs> MPs going out onto the picket line. I know she was heckled, but she went out there. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, that you know, you go to somewhere like Liverpool, which is where we went to the docks to, to protest, and you go and talk to the local people, they are all behind the members that were sacked. Mm. Now, why don't you hear anything from them? Because they've all been gagged. Mm. You can't get this deal to live if you speak about the terrible situation. And why I wanted to bring this particular thing up is because of the fact that the narrative that went over was cheap labour from abroad. Mm. And I don't want to say it the way it was said because I've had to challenge so many narratives of the fact that somebody could be living abroad. They don't know jack about what's going on here. They've just got, they're just looking for a job. Yeah. Now all of a sudden... They're having people attack them and heckle them, right? Because of the fact that we're, we're when Russia that. again, we're stealing yeah. their jobs. Yeah, yeah. Now workers of the world unite, mm. right? So when I saw that, it broke my heart because it was like you're falling for it, right? Even if we're having a situation where we're having a two-tier system try, being trying to be introduced, you don't go and blame another set of workers Workers. for that situation, right? So when we're talking about our environments, right, we have to remember we weren't always welcome here. No. Right? And there's a history that remains festering in the air. So every time they come for us, right, we have to relive that, that trauma from the fact that our parents came from abroad. They were called here, by the way. They were, they were happy where they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And they were happy to serve mm-hmm. the so-called mother country at the time. Now, when they took up their right to settle, they were not immigrants. 
they were not migrants. Mm. They were settlers because they were British citizens. Mm. When they came here, they had that right and they were denied those rights. No blacks, no dogs, no Irish. You know, that whole narrative and that still goes on around now. So what I'm saying is, even though it might not have the most, um, what's the word? The most um, explicit race um, element towards it. When they're attacking our pensions, they're basically, it is they're saying, you working class people, yeah. you black people, you whoever it is that have tried to work your way out of a struggle, you don't deserve it, right? It because the majority it of the people that it, um, and this is where a lot of the work that me and Mel do in regards to the EDI forums and looking at that intersect with race. Because when you are looking at London Underground and TFL and you look at the demographics mm-hmm. and the proportion of black and Asian and ethnic minority staff that work there, the pensions, attacking our pensions, attacking our terms and conditions disproportionately affects Thanks us us-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the NHS workers and it's the same with education. It's the same with the cleaners. Who does that disproportionately affect? Worse. Who's worse off? And I I genuinely feel like that is, it's that culture that the government has put out there. And then these heads of companies, because our managing directors, they've got their bonuses. That's right. They all got their bonuses. (laughs) They said, no, you know, we we deserve it. (laughs) <laughs> and TFL and LU, they've all been able to get their bonuses. So just roll roll us back to RMT. So what are the demands on that side of things? So it's no no um, to cuts. Um, there is there is a what do you call it train modernization. Yeah. Now everybody knows that things update, things modernize, but it's not to allow an attack on our terms and conditions. And they were going to force that on us. Force it, yes. So what we've done now is we've said, no, what you're going to do is you're going to negotiate. You're not just going to take (laughs) that and say, (laughs) this is what we're doing. That's not how this works. (laughs) Right? That's basically (laughs) what we said. You can imagine me in the negotiation. It'd be very short meeting. Yes. (laughs) No. We're not going to do that. But that's actually what happened. This Great Britain is so reliant on the trains. Like, you can't mess with this. And nationally as well. Like, nationally, they've had um, so many, maybe 15 days of strike action. And they want to give them 4% with and rip up their terms and and conditions. And these are people, remember, how how did the supermarkets get their food? This was the freight, the transport system. It's sustainable. It is, and they just want to attack it. And that it, it's just, it's almost like a mentality thing. Mm. It's not based on, it's just a mentality thing of them attacking them. Absolutely. There's not, and, and if the, the DFT hadn't got in, you know, involved, I do believe that these train operating companies would have... Yeah come to some negotiation, negotiation. and, and uh, the, the members of the public wouldn't be. You know what, if like you go in and you want to go away for the weekend and there's no trains and you think, oh, those train drivers. This is, it's the DFT yeah. and the government. Yeah. I think it's worth maybe explaining like yeah. for listeners how those the negotiations have kind of been like uh, 
disrupted by the government because yeah. I don't think it's clear to the kind of the yes. average Joe and it's definitely obviously a tactic. Yes. Yeah. So for the National Rail, so only because I hold a, a, a national position and I wanted to make it clear, um, my solidarity is with my National Rail colleagues. Yeah, I clearly I work for London Underground, but I also represent um, members in the National Rail who haven't had a pay rise for over three years, are on some of the lowest wages. Um, there is a big, massive attack on their terms and conditions. And there is um, support for public ownership on for rail workers. Um, they are providing a public service. Um, and when we um, look at the disparity in national rail wages, because, you know, there's a lot of private contracts going mm. on and they negotiate those private contracts and then they last for a certain amount of time. Um, it is extremely difficult to collectively, um, what, do you, what you would say, ballot. You, you now have to ballot each individual train, train operating company. company. Yeah, it can't ever be a collective struggle. And you're talking about the government, literally, they're not coming to the table. They're saying that we're not coming to the table. That's impossible. We, the members mandate the hierarchy to negotiate on our behalf. It's not, the, the, the Mitt Lynch will never be able to say, oh, you know what, <clears throat> I'm just going to lie in today. I'm not going to ACAS. Mm. It will never happen. They, the members have spoken, they've been balloted, they've passed the anti-trade union laws, right? And now the, the negotiation begin. So we've had to go through a process. Why does the government think that they can circumvent that process after they've put so much pressure on us to get to the table in the first place? You know, our ballots are there to ensure that we have a voice, right? The strongest voice possible. And then when we're being told... We're still going to enforce these things. You know, they're not, they're not the ones that are getting up at, you know, ridiculous o'clock in the morning, leaving our families behind, leaving our caring responsibilities, mm -hmm. right? You know, mental health has gone up. You're talking about the fact that all our services and all our circumstances at home make it so difficult before we get to work. Mm. And then we put on our smiles and we serve the public. And we do. We're proud of it. We're absolutely proud of it. Um, closing of all the ticket offices. They've done that on London Underground. And I'm telling you, for someone who started on the stations, who loved to interact with um, the public, right? And I've also worked in the ticket office. And I'm telling you, the lines would be long, right? People would prefer to come and speak, sit, stand in a long line. Let me just say this. Stand in a long line and speak to someone to ensure that, that they got the best deal possible with the directions, with um, an, an assurance that they could get from A to B, with the assurance that if they had any accessibility issues, yes. that someone would meet them yeah. at the other side and give them a, a, yeah. you know, a hand. Now, we're having a situation where that is it's dangerous. Yeah. I always feel that now. Yeah, it is, it is well. literally like, dangerous. It's only for a certain person. Right. And I'm telling you, as a Londoner, yeah. right, who now does travel quite a bit outside of London. I was meant to travel outside of London today. When I go to, it, I don't want to go online and do this, tap, 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 tap. I want to speak to a member of staff yeah. and get the, the best deal I can, especially with the cost of living crisis. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. save me a, an extra five or a ten. And, and they do, they are 
trained to do that. Mm. A computer, I'm not saying a computer can't do certain things. What I'm saying is it then misses the fact that maybe English is not my first language. Yeah. It might miss the fact that actually I've got accessibility issues. It might miss the fact that, you know what, I'm traveling with children. You know, it misses, it doesn't capture everything. Mm. A member of staff will capture that. So the fact that they want to close all the ticket offices, that, that petition, I believe it should be probably a million by now. It was 750,000 in September. So last month who had already signed it. And when we went to the TUC, um, you know, I'm telling you, the disability um, organizations are really hot on it because it affects them. Of course, yes, it affects them really badly. So, how can they do it with a straight face? I mean, they don't—they don't care, do they? they I mean, we we can see by their their policy, the government's policy—they don't care about the elderly, they don't care about the disabled, they don't care about people with accessibility accessibility issues, and um, closing the ticket offices is just a reflection of that. It's like, we don't care about you. Who's got the, if you've got the money and you're at home and you can do, those are our people. And anyone else outside of that, that may need that extra assistance, we don't really care about. And I think people, I think if I can use, because I travel in, in Europe quite a bit, if I can use some of the, the subways that are in other countries, I've been on the New York subway, I've been in um, Berlin, I've been in Spain, I've been in Amsterdam, I've been in quite a few countries. I've been in Paris subway, right, or their metro, whatever they call it. They're quite big. Mm. And what I mean by that is the the roadways and stuff like that, the way they intersect, they've, they're, it's a bigger land space with the country and the way that it works. This is a tiny yeah. island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're all on it, top of each other. Well, yeah. well, it's because of the. I so mean, transport it's is the oldest transport exactly. system, isn't yeah. it? And so what they they've been purpose built, yeah. and so that what they want to do is look up. They look across to them and go, oh, well, they can just run it on minimal people, Thank not you. understanding Absolutely. that yeah. London and England is a total different, totally different thing system. Totally different system. And so, but I mean, I totally yeah. a- agree with Mel in look, regards. Look at to our trains, right? Yeah, mine and your trains is not. This, I can't just turn up at Cheryl's depot and drive her train. Yeah, different lines of different trains. It's a different, different line, different, different, tra- different. Exactly, yeah. totally different the way it runs. And n- who understands that? Because with um, Europe, it's maybe at number one, number two, or the A or the B. Us, it's the Victoria line, the Bakerloo line, the Piccadilly <laughs> line, or the blue line. But there's two blue lines. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's it's they confusing. All They've all got different trains. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how do you get to work on the Elizabeth line? <laughs> That's like the new I, one, isn't it? Yeah. So what's that like to drive? I'm not sure, but it's lovely. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, lovely. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> everyone likes it, and that's everyone's favourite yeah. line at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's that. The fact that, and and again, I'm a I'm a I'm a climate change um, activist as well. Yeah, we need people to be using transport less on the roads, right? You, especially in South London, mm-hmm. right? You've got the Silver Town the Silver Town Tunnel that that's not going to actually do anything. Um, you know, to reduce carbon emissions. It's, in fact, it's just going to divert it from one place to the other. 
right? The underground system already, um, there's been research about noise pollution, about the pollution that we suffer on a daily basis driving the trains. But at the same time, when you're getting people from A to B in an efficient way, it's a much better way to go. Um, unfortunately, I do commend people who ride their bicycles, by the way, in London. <laughs> I do think it's really dangerous. Um, I think it's really good. for As a climate activist, again, it's, it's much better than driving cars, right? But the way how the system works, you're, you're getting on a tube, you're getting from A to B, it's safe, right? And if you've got staff there that can react to situations, I mean, remember, we've had terrorist attacks in the past, mm. right? The staff are the first point of call yeah. when there's an incident, right? And especially for us as drivers, we need our members of staff on the stations to be able Definitely. to handle stuff mm. while we're doing the other, the other stuff that we're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's a totally different level yeah. of what we do on the trains and what station staff do on the stations, Right. And but we work in, we, we collaborate. In, we, exactly, we work together. And if you take one away, it's a, it's a recipe for destruction, right? And, I, and I, I, people have got to understand there are incidents, unfortunately, when people have been dragged, right? It, it is difficult to manage. When, you, when you've got very, very busy stations, you're going to have to either close it. Can you imagine two or three people dealing with you know, Thousands. hundreds of people, yeah, hundreds of people, literally. And remember, some of these stations have two, three, four lines intersecting. So it's not just people coming from the outside in. It's it's, it's people changing as well. So it just swells around We've the fact that, yeah, the government doesn't have a clue about what it's talking about. We know what we're talking about. And when you go to literally just, if you were to just grab someone, that you know travels on the tube or even just wants to every now and then they're having positive experiences with the staff mm. i don't they're not having no negative experiences with the staff especially if they have accessibility needs we really go out of our way to make sure that anybody that has any form of accessibility needs is taken care of from the beginning all the way to the end we take rail workers for granted in this country big time definitely we take them for granted yeah, I mean, I think it's worth like emphasising a few of the things you've been saying that like the rail minister in January was like, yeah, it would have been cheaper to settle the dispute with the unions, but we wanted to push through these reforms. So it was like a very public. It's been like a very political. And they were con they were compensated for for the strikes that people don't that was realize. Part of the so, bailout. So we we missed a day's pay. Yeah, we sacrificed our day's pay. Yeah. So when to, we strike, we lose we money. Lose money, and then our public money that is put into the system was then given back to those companies to offset their to losses. Offset, yeah, to yeah. offset their losses. And that goes that will end the thirty first of March next year. So that was part of the ties to this financial package given to the government. They said that we will offset any of the losses due to strike action. 
Yeah. I mean, when you look into a lot of the conditions, it's like, okay, we'll give you the money so you can survive, but we want you to cut up bus routes, for example, like that. Yeah, so absolutely. A lot of what you see, like the TfL shutting the certain lines, bus routes, is coming from government. Yeah. But as you've said, they're doing it so it looks bad for Sadiq Khan. Yeah. So yeah. it's all political gains. Very. But people obviously blame the workers when it's got literally nothing to do with them. Yeah. I, I do think, though, like what Mel was saying, nowadays, back in the day, yeah, being on the picket line was a lot different. Yeah. But now, <laughs> <laughs> there's this kind of common solidarity nice. where we all know I mean when you hear that there's people that are ill and they wanted to go to hospital but they're still in solidarity with junior doctors and they're still mm-hmm. because we've got to open up our eyes now we have to understand just in regards and this is where what you guys are doing is so valuable it's an attack on the working classes wherever you are that's what they're doing fundamentally and so we have to, and like what Mel's saying in regards to, you know, when they're talking about workers that come over and they want to work, it, it's, it's in the language in the how language, we, it's yeah. the them and us. That's all they're doing. That's all they ever do. And so for us, I mean, we want, we're fighting for our pay and our terms and conditions. And your dignity. But we will go out there, exactly, our dignity and work. Mm. But we will go out there and we will, commonly support Mm. everyone else in that fight we want nurses and teachers and everyone to be ready because they're valuable we saw how valuable these people were weren't we Mm. during the pandemic for me you saw who we need and who we don't necessarily (laughs) need i'm not having a go at the work from home people don't come (laughs) for me I love you guys (laughs) yeah but when we look fundamentally at what made the country run yeah it was train drivers, bus lorry drivers, drivers bus drivers, mm. cleaners, cleaners, nurses. Yeah. It was us. And I'm very proud, obviously, both of us, our foreparents worked in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that. And I do think in regards to definitely our heritage as well, um, coming from that Windrush generation where we've always been in service whether it's the NHS, the education, Mm. and it's the transport. And so a lot of the work that me and Mel do within the union as well is educating and reminding people of that. I am one of my goals as um, the national chair of the Black Asian Ethnic Minority Members for ASLEF is to encourage more of us to participate in that strike action. I want to see more of us on the picket picket line. I want to see more of us um, becoming representatives Mm -hmm. and speaking up because we always have done, you know, and part of what we do, I mean, we have these kinds of generic, um, you know, people normally say, you know, when you go to a, a, a climate activism event or whatever, you might not, there's a type of person that you might see, right? Who does, it, but it affects us. It yeah. affects the global south, south yeah. exponentially, mm-hmm. this climate change, right? And then that then affects migration. And then that, so we're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so it's just about what Mel was saying. It's about having that care and that, and it's about educating, especially the younger people that are coming into the trade Absolutely. union. Um, we have a lot of young drivers coming on. Mm-hmm. And they are very diverse and it's reminding them of the Bristol bus boycott. It's reminding them of 
the Indian farmers. Mm-hmm. Look at and that. You know, let, let, yeah. let, let's look at globally, globally what's going on. You know what I mean? Me and you, if we were in Colombia or certain places, we, we, yeah. we couldn't even be talking we like this. Talking like this yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we do have the right to speak up here and it's about encouraging and it's about talking about your value as a worker and, and what it means for society as a whole. You know, and means for our community as well. Do you know what I mean? We come from a council where council tax has gone up 15%. Boy. It disproportionately affects black and Asian ethnic minority people. Yeah. If we're not getting adequate pay, that then impacts our homes. Mm-hmm. It impacts yeah. the education that we can give our children. It impacts everything socially. And so for me, I know a lot of people, sometimes even within the union, say, you guys are doing a lot, ain't you? You're out there. You're on your BLM, you're on your this, yeah, yeah. you're on your climate. But there's a lot going on. That is us. Yeah, that is us. And exactly. us is them, right? right. We're all yeah. interconnected fundamentally. fundamentally it's, yeah. it's, I don't take off, you know, the black woman and go into work and be a train driver. I don't do that. Yeah. It comes with me. That's right. And so my perspective of things is from that, is nuanced in that way. Um, but I'm just grateful. I mean, Within the work that I've done within Aslef is talking about, is like increasing reps and increasing people to come. And I'm just thankful that we've been able to impact I've that I've got a change. shout out. I'm, I'm dying to shout out the fact that um, Sherelle, um, I know you ain't going to say it, I'm going to say it. Um, she does do quite a lot of stuff with the uh, retired members. Oh, yeah. Right? And yeah, no, no, no. It's important to, to mention it, right? Because... You're talking about the fact that, like, we keep we're mentioning uh, where we're coming from, right? And you would think, right, when you look at who's at the top of transport now, and even the management that's not necessarily that far high above us, that we weren't here, you know, from when, right? There is a whole demographic of people that have actually retired, yeah, and they're they're. Their voices are still there. Their stories are still there. And Sherelle is doing that work um, with those retired members. She does the luncheons for them. Yeah, She does yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I worked yeah. on the Windrush exhibition for the London Transport Museum. Yeah. Because what, what got me, I've always got a story, and I? No, no, no. And, that, and it's important. Got, got That's the point. But um, <laughs> they, we have this kind of online space, you know, it's yep. called Yammer. We have an online space for TFO and LU workers. And I was shocked that people didn't know about when we started, it was just like Western Caribbean and Irish people on the transport. It weren't, I don't know, they probably just thought it was all these graduates that helped. <laughs> I haven't got nothing against graduates. I'm a graduate, you're a graduate. But it was all these management consultants that have just made TFL all like, yeah. And I was like, you know, my, my father's generation and my uncle's generation who, you know, there was a recruitment uh, transport office, right? In Barbados. In Barbados. And Enoch so, Power went there. Whoa. Exactly. Himself, <laughs> he imagine. Himself. And then came over. Enoch Power. Then Enoch came over Powell talking himself. about the rivers of blood. Yeah. <laughs> you were out there recruiting. People don't know that. No. no. He was there. Mm. Yeah, people do then not they know. Back and they said, oh, no, actually, don't no, come. No, don't come. <laughs> so I, I was really offended that, like what Mel said, that part of transport history wasn't recognised. It's not recognised, yeah. They didn't understand that. And so I, and, and a lot of it, you know, you would retire and they'd give you your pass and give you this and, and just say, okay, go. off you go, that's enough. 
We're done with you. And I, um, off of my own back, really. Yeah, you did. Off of my own back, um, created an organisation and we get them together and we provide them with a free luncheon and they talk and they reminisce and it just makes them feel valued. Absolutely. But it's just another way of making working class people feel yeah. valued and not like thrown on the, the, the scrap heap. And yeah. especially that demographic of, you know, Caribbean yeah. um, workers. They um, went through absolute hell. Yeah, oh gosh. And mm-hmm. you're talking very skilled people yeah. that came to serve, like I said. Yeah. And the fact that even you've seen in David Olasoga's, um documentaries where they mention um, how skilled some of our uh, midwives were and they weren't allowed to progress. They just oh, weren't yeah. allowed. And it's the same thing with your, you know, when we look at the stories, mm. the rich stories that they will tell and the fact that they were never allowed to progress. No. Right? And I mean, it's, still, it's, 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 London yeah. Underground, if you're black or Asian ethnic minority, you have to apply eight times more yeah. than your white counterpart. And that was a figure in 2021. Yeah. So we're not moving. And, I, and I, I find it really interesting, the work that we do, because everybody looks at transport and goes, oh, you guys are so diverse, you know. It's really good. It must be perfect. You go through a station and you see us. Not gonna lie, and you yeah, go on the did, bus and you yeah, see us. Yeah. You're like, no problem. It must be great. <laughs> oh, my God. I always say to people, you've got to look at the decision makers. That's right. Yeah. Go in the offices, please. Oh, my word. <laughs> can I just when, say... It'd be like a different world. Can I just 100. say something? We've been talking about, like, incredible, like, trade union, organising, black power, politics. I'm absolutely loving it. But I do need to do a slight sidestep. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't say this, I think black Twitter would come for me, right? <laughs> TFL has some of the best True. vibes, people. Listen, we got the vibes. But honestly, <laughs> I do think it's almost like... You know when the pressure is on? That's one thing black people do well, you know. When the pressure is on, we, we can lighten it up. Okay, yeah. right, right. <laughs> we can lighten it up because the stories that both me and Mel have and go through in regards to discrimination, yeah. sexism, is horrific. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm, ta- I'm you know, yeah. I'm outwardly... I'm, all, I'm like... We need a Casey or a McPherson report. Really? I'm here for that. (laughs) Hundred. Me, I'm here for that. Because, you know, like me and Mel, um, and I'm thankful that our unions have supported. I've Mm. gone through stuff. Mel's gone through that. I've gone to the highest disciplinary investigation for calling out a racist. And I would happily do it it again. again. That's right. But when you put your head above that parapet, listen it's hard and then they reverse it on you and then you have to come back to work and you're like everyone thinks I'm a racist now yeah (laughs) everyone thinks do you know what I mean I meet people today that they're like "Mm, hi Cheryl you know (laughs) let's and so what I would say is that yes you know we are fabulous yes we love to serve the community yes we are but we are still fighting for that elevation and progression yeah of us all, whether it's women, all of the protected characteristics, L, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think sometimes TFL, especially, and then you get away with it. Mm. They get away with it. Their PR's really good, right? Mm. And they look because you're interacting with all of us. And so I do believe that 
there has to be an in-depth look at, we always have to do that. It's like what people say with the NHS, they go, oh my gosh, it must be, it's okay. We've got head nurse there, one. Mm. We have a managing, one. Mm. We've never, you know what my parents, my father and that, they sit and they ask me, sure, when is there going to be a black managing director of LU and TFL? When? Because we came over here like 70, 80 years and never has been. And never has been. And e- even at that, um, you know, what they call it, C-suite. You know, the C-suite level. We're still waiting. And so it's very important in regards to when we're talking about our, our solidarity and how we look to the public and we're explaining in regards to transport. And sometimes when we come out and we might be seen as complainers, but it's a real issue. issue. Equality is a real issue because that's what they do. They give you an okay wage and you're all there. And they go, well, you should be all right, Chantal. What, 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 do you want more? Mm. Well, I'm not being funny. If someone like Liam can have more, why can't I have more? Mm. We have people that are still overqualified in the role that I do. I have Trust trained mm-hmm. pharmacists mm-hmm. to be drivers. I've trained neonatal nurses to be drivers. Young lawyers mm. beautiful yep. black ladies Philip's what have you just started yeah. graduate what you do law what are you doing here oh I just need to financially or I just need to right and so they're not being given that opportunity within and, and it's harder almost for us because everyone thinks that it's such a yep. equal place and so when we're talking it's very hard to let the that land it, yeah. no it's brilliant but um truth to power yeah and that yeah, you're right yeah. they do have a very strong pr yeah machine but we're breaking that down. but j- just google the hierarchy people yeah. and you will see what's really happening and that's not a mistake and i would say to do it with any company i would say to do with any organization when you're looking at you know mm. what we do in regards and, to race and equality. i wanted to quickly just put in because it's something that really um bugs me i i do represent a lot of women um a lot of black women and we're talking about 50 plus so we're approaching we're going to be approaching these situations quite soon even now where women are going through the menopause Mm. something that we it's natural and being managed out of their jobs because of the symptoms, mm. how it manifests. And remember, operational grades. You're not sitting in front of a desk with a fan, right? Or you're not able to just dash off to the bathroom and maybe have a wash up and change. We're sitting on the front of a train or we're forward, fa- we're frontline staff facing customers, etc., etc. And the fact that transport has been here from day dot and the circumstances around women's issues just hasn't evolved and changed at all at all and every time you go up there the the role model style what i'm saying the policies are remember it's called protected characteristics yeah. because it's in the law so then why when we go to advocate on a situation it's so difficult mm. to uh, and people are suffering for it because you're talking about working for 20 odd almost 30 odd years and being told actually because of your circumstances you know we're gonna have to terminate you and those are real circumstances so i am very glad the public has kind of caught on to the situations and just like sherelle said when we come up and speak about what is going on it's not to you know say that 
the employer itself necessarily the policies are necessarily like a big big problem the problem is they're not evolving right the interpretation of it the people that are enforcing it that's right are, are the issues mm. and if you're not recruiting a, a diverse you know sector you're going to keep having the se- you're going to keep replicating the same problems over and over again win rush 75 till now right oh. and it's the same problems you know it's it's a, it's a shame because like i said this is a this is a job for life for me mm. you know when my son says to me oh mom why aren't you a manager yet and i wanted to look at him and think, how dare you <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah. it, it's a genuine question yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I, that was my goal years yeah, and years ago when I started that I was going to progress. Yeah. So I love my train driving job, by the way. Love it. Love the people. And it's something I'm very proud of to say I'm a, I'm a woman train driver. But believe me, um, the national strikes and everything, when you see us out there, give us a wave, give us yeah. a hi, join our picket line because it's important to us. Yeah. Um, and the importance to us also reflects on the importance to the public. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a fight for all of us. So when you see us out there and we're fighting for better conditions, what we're saying is you fight for better conditions too. Yeah. And if you need our assistance and you need our help, especially RMT is a big union, as left over 20,000, so a smaller, more craft union, but we're still there. Do you know what I mean? And we're important to the sector and we're still there to support genuinely Mm. this kind of... Yeah. Environment, the like yeah. the movement. Sherelle, Mel, thank you so much. What an incredible episode, Liam. Yeah, no notes, really. No <laughs> notes. <laughs> thank yeah, you so much. Sat here. It's been close. It's been yeah. Thank you so much. Get behind <laughs> your transport workers. Get behind your unions. Thank you so much, Sherelle and Mel. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society. To support our work, you can rate, review and subscribe to host or produce a series of Surviving Society, get in touch with us via Twitter or Instagram.